Hey guys, welcome to Drama Diving. Uh, today we are going to be talking to the MV Valkyrie. Uh, Hazel is going to join us and we're going to chat about a couple different things with that. Uh, super excited for this one. Uh, not just because of the scotch and whiskey potential of Scotland, but uh, just the general idea of getting this knowledge out there uh, because this is a very, very different uh, location that I don't think a lot of people really truly know where it is. Uh, so just a couple of words before we go ahead and get started. Uh, remember, we're doing this uh, just kind of to get through and help you guys out. Um, we're going to continue doing this after the whole COVID thing is down and out. Uh, but uh, if you could give us a drop on Patreon or uh, purchase some of those uh, whiskey glasses. We just got a bunch more in uh, the uh, Drama Diving whiskey glasses. Not that you can see that when it's up against me, but uh, the Drama Diving whiskey glasses, uh, that helps us out a ton. Well, helps us out some. So uh, that is a great benefit to us, but we are going to go ahead and get started and check in and see how Hazel is doing in Scotland. So let me bring her on in. Hello. How are we doing? Hello, Jason. Very well. Thank you. Good. Um, we do have, there was a little bit of a slight delay, but I don't think it's going to be crazy or anything. So just so you know, there is okay. a little bit of delay. So, uh, but actually it looks like it cleared up some. So how are you guys doing out there and where actually are you so that all of our viewers can understand that? Okay. Well, first of all, where are we? We are at the end of the line. We're <laughs> at, uh, if you imagine Great Britain and Scotland at the top of Great Britain, we're beyond Scotland. So we're right up in a group of islands. Uh, we like to say we're the first rock north of Scotland. So <laughs> we're there We're there up in uh, about uh, a seven mile gap between the north of Scotland and us. And then you have the Orkney Ar Archipelago, which is a, a ring of islands uh, off the, the north coast. And in that ring of islands, of course, is the anchorage of Scapaflow. Beautiful. So I think a lot of people don't understand exactly where that is, but we're going to get into that um, in a little bit. So how are you guys sure. doing with the whole COVID thing and all the craziness that's going on in the world right now? Yeah, well, interesting times, I think, is the best description that we all live in at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. It's, I think, just as crazy over here as it is with you guys in the States. Um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just incredible. We've uh, basically we've come to a dead stop with our business. Um, lockdown in the UK and especially in Scotland is still going on we're still locked down mm -hmm. in Scotland so we're basically allowed to leave our houses for exercise and that's it uh, right. to go shopping as well so right. but uh, that's basically all we can do so um, as uh, commercial seafarers we are key workers so we can still go to the boat and maintain the boat and make it better but that's all we can do we can't okay. uh, work with guests at all um, can you guys, what's the projected time frame when you guys can actually start having guests? Do you know, that's the very, that's the, the million dollar question at the moment is, uh, when we can actually start running again. We'd like to think that we can start running as soon as the government lets us. Uh, certainly we're on the starting blocks. We're set up on the starting blocks at the moment. Good. Uh, so we can run anytime we're allowed to. Um, but I would imagine that it will be. A good two months yet. Okay. A good two months. Yeah. And you guys had a solid sellout for the 2020 season, didn't you guys, from the looks of it? Uh, it was pretty busy. We were we were booked out on two boats. So okay. uh, we run both the MV Valkyrie, which you can see up behind me here, up there. Nice. Uh, that's the Valkyrie. 
Uh, and we also have a, a bigger boat called the Valhalla. And uh, both of those boats were pretty well booked out for the season. Um, and that followed on from an incredibly busy year in 2019, which, of course, was the 100-year anniversary, uh, the mm -hmm. centenary of the sinking of the German fleet in Scapa Flows. So uh, that was incredibly busy as well. Yeah. Good. So... Uh... I'll give you, I'm a, I guess I've been diving for about 15 years, been an instructor for 10. And even I, in, and as I got into technical diving, I, I didn't really realize what SCAPA was or, or, or even, you know, SCAPA, you hear SCAPA flow and you think, you know, if you have zero reference, you're like, well, it kind of sounds like maybe Malta or Utila kind of, is that, you know, where is that? What in the world? So um, newer divers, a lot of times have absolutely zero clue of any of the history of what in the world is going on in SCAPA. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just absolutely amazing when people start realizing um, what it truly is. So can you give us kind of a general rundown? I, I did a sure. good job, fairly good job of putting it on the Facebook page, but um, hearing okay. it from you exactly yeah. what SCAPA is. Go ahead. SCAPA flow is uh, an enclosed anchorage. It's one of the biggest natural harbors in the world. Um, and the actual the word SCAPA flow comes from SCAPA floy, which is uh, old Norwegian, old Norse for a sheltered anchorage. And uh, the idea was that um, Scapa Flow was used uh, as a, a safe haven for shipping from prehistoric times right the way up to modern times. So I, uh, if, I, if I pointed the camera out the window, you can see that we have a, a, you know, a good few oil tankers and uh, oil rigs actually sitting in Scapa Flow at the moment, safe um, in a very sheltered anchorage. So it doesn't matter what the weather is doing outside, for shipping, it's a very safe place to to be, and that was brought <clears throat> um, that was brought home in the First World War. So in 1914, obviously, uh, Europe went to war for whatever reason, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there, there is actually a very good uh, description of the start and, and the, in fact the duration of this First World War as World War One as a bar fight. Just um, <laughs> Google it, and it's it's actually. Funny, but not funny in the same in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened during World War One is that air power became uh, a feature of war warfare. At first, it was heavier than, or sorry, lighter than aircraft. So the um, blimps and the zeppelins, and they were coming over and bombing Britain. Uh, now, not many people know that, but the zeppelins were actually coming from Germany right the way across the North Sea, and were actually bombing Britain. And one of the fears at the time was the main naval anchorages, the harbours in the south of England, where this bombing was taking place. It meant that the fleet was not secure in that anchorage. So they moved. They moved the entire fleet up to Scapa Flow and secured wow. the anchorage at Scapa Flow. So the British home fleet was uh, based in Scapa Flow. Um, right through the First World War. So this is this is the, the, the anchorage from which J the Battle of Jutland uh, started. So that this, uh, they, they, they left from Scapa Flow to go to the Battle of Jutland. Um, if we leave out the history of the First World War, right at the end of the First World War, the German fleet was, um, was really the, the bulk of the Germans, Germans' military power was left in her fleet. And it was a very close match between the Royal Navy and uh, the Kaiserliche Marine, the, the, um, the German Imperial High Seas Fleet. And um, 
one of the fears at the end of the war, when the armistice was signed, was that the German fleet would be used uh, to restart the war effectively. So one of the 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 um, points in the armistice was that the fleet had to be interred. Basically, it meant that they became uh, effectively um, bargaining chips in the, the armistice at the end of the war. And the place that they were interred was Scapa Flow. Mm -hmm. With me so far? No, absolutely. I love <laughs> yeah, it. Good. Okay. So um, right at the end of the war, 1918 through to 1919, the German fleet was interred at Scapa Flow. And it, it was a skeleton crew aboard each ship. But there were 74 warships. This was a big, big fleet. And in fact, I'm sure you've seen pictures of the, the warships at anchor in Scapa Flow. And that, that mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, you had both the British fleet and the German fleet here at the same time. Uh, it was a very, very busy fleet um, and a very busy anchorage. So uh, part of the fear in the German fleet was right at the end of the, the armistice process, there was actually a stalemate right at the very end of the process. And it was, it, it went right to the wire. It went to the very last day. And the, the last day was the 21st of June, mid, midsummer. It was the, was the cutoff point for the armistice to be signed. And the German fleet was, as I say, this bargaining chip in that process. Right on the 21st of June, they said, it's okay, we'll, we'll extend it another four days. So the, the, the actual signing of the armistice happened around about the 24th, I think, 25th, 24th or 25th. But the German fleet in Scapa Flow didn't know that. All they knew was, oh, perfect. Lovely, yep. lovely photograph of the fleet there. <laughs> um, uh, the, um, all they knew was that the actual uh, armistice on the 21st had not been ratified so then they thought that the war was about to start again and admiral von reuter who was the commander of the german fleet made a, a judgment call and whether it was right or whether it was wrong nobody really knows it's very mm -hmm. difficult to get accurate information of what was in people's heads at that point but remember he thought his fleet was about to be taken over and used against his own country. Yep. So he made a very famous signal by flag to the whole of the fleet. And that signal said, paragraph 11. And then it had underneath that, it said, confirm. So once that signal had gone all the way around the fleet and it had come back to the flagship as confirmed, they put up an execute signal, which was just a single flag of do it now. And they sank their own fleet. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest act of mass naval suicide ever witnessed in the world at any point. And wow. 74 warships began to sink. <laughs> um, the sight was incredible. There is, there's no, there's no movie footage, unfortunately, but there are photographs of the fleet sinking. And some of these photographs were taken by the British, some were taken by the Germans. And, uh, the fleet sinking sent the, the world into shock. It was a, uh, the British and the Allies considered it uh, an act of war. 
they considered it uh, an act of defiance. And in fact, a lot of the ships that sank actually raised their battle ensigns as they sank, as an really? act of defiance. <laughs> and um, that left us on the seabed of Scapa Flow with a collection of, well, I think in the end about 60, between 55 and 60 warships actually sank. Some of them were saved, some of them were run aground, some of them just didn't sink. Um, but 60 or so, 50, 54 to, I think was the number that actually went to the bottom. Wow. And uh, it's the biggest collection of wrecks anywhere in the world. And it stayed there right until about 1924, 23, 24, when a salvage operation started. And that salvage operation uh, was by a company called Cox and Danks. And uh, Cox and Danks salvaged a, a big proportion of the German fleet, but we're still left with some. We have seven major capital warships of the Kaiserlich Marine, the, the German Imperial Navy, lying in the bottom of Scapa Flow still. And it's a huge draw for divers. So there's yes, your positive history. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so uh, from what I read, they, they had been preparing this for this for a significant period of time. And what they had going on is that they actually were welding a bunch of the doors shut to make yeah. sure that this actually went through fully. So this was 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 shocking what they actually a, were capable of doing. It's it's actually very interesting how they sank the ships. Um, the ships were sank. Oh, British, uh, lovely picture. That's actually yeah. a super super dreadnought Bayern um, mm -hmm. as she's sinking. Um, the the ships. Battleships are designed not to sink. I mean, it's the, the main thing about them is they're right. designed to float and fight. And the German ships were incredibly well engineered. And as I can say this with all honesty, they were better engineered than the Royal Navy ships, without mm -hmm. a doubt. Yeah. And uh, they were designed not to sink. I mean, that was the whole point of them. The German crews uh, opened pipes between compartments, they welded doors open. So mm -hmm. that you, the, the, the doors couldn't be closed to, to save the ship. And then they um, actually took the inspection hatches. Uh, and these were huge. These were a meter and a half. Sorry, uh, four, four and a half. That's fine. By, like, <laughs> we should be doing metric system anyways. Uh, Come yeah, on, just go with metric. metric. It's fine. <laughs> metric, imperial, it's okay. It's okay. If the German ships, it probably should be imperial. Yeah, um, <laughs> touche. But they, they, they took the inspection hatches off the condensers. Now, the condensers were, was where steam was uh, cooled down and made back into water to go around the steam cycle for the turbines. Mm -hmm. And um, then they opened valves to flood the condenser rooms. And that's a meter and a, well, as I say, about, uh, about two tons of water per second per condenser. <laughs> and they had up to 12 condensers. So wow. you're talking about 30 or 40 tons a second of mm -hmm. water entering the hulls of these ships to sink them. Um, I think the, the men who actually stayed down there to turn the valves to switch this on were probably um, both very scared and very brave. Yeah. Uh, and certainly there is there is accounts of them coming out wet up to their chests wow. um, from the engine rooms from having turned on the valves. And the other thing was they took the wheels off the valves and carried them up to deck with them and took <laughs> them off the side of the ships. So there was yeah. no way to save the ship. Nope. Yeah, and I was reading that they were dropping keys off the side of it for like yeah. for yeah. weeks at a time, just like drop a key here, drop a key there. It's it yep. is 
it's very interesting on how they went through the whole thing. Um, so we've spent like 20 minutes on history because, and now people are starting to yap about diving on, yeah. on the chat. So uh, Dave Stallings uh, wants to know what the typical di condition, dive conditions are, especially I'm concerned about fall 2021, if there's a possibility <laughs> there. So okay. I, I, I'll have to consult my, my crystal ball on that one. Um, <laughs> dive conditions. Uh, well, a lot of people think that the German fleet is deep, dark, scary, and technical. That's not mm. necessarily true. It can be as technical as you want it. Um, the first thing to say is that there is no dives in Scapa Flow that we do on a regular basis that are deeper than 45 meters. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, I'd have to convert that into feet, but um, yep. about, what, 110 feet, yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. So yep. they're not deep. Really, nope. they're with they're within the range of recreational diving. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing to say is that the water temperature, water temperature, is usually in the summer. It's around about twelve to thirteen degrees at the most. So you're looking at uh, that sea, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you're looking at dry suit conditions, but not freezing cold dry suit conditions. So okay. anyone that dives in the sea in a dry suit can easily dive here. It's not breaking the ice before you go in. Yeah. Uh, and visibility. Uh, visibility, well, that's the, the, the $100 question. Um, you know, what's it going to be like when you're here? In the fall, um, September, October, November, visibility tends to be pretty good. So you can reliably talk about uh, 45 feet of visibility plus. So, okay. you know, pretty reasonable diving conditions. Nice. Um, so I guess the question that I kind of have is it's a live aboard essentially, which you guys have, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So how long is the actual steam out to the wrecks from where you guys are at? Okay. So the live aboard works quite a, a strange way in Scapa <laughs> Flow. Um, our, our big live aboard boats are there, uh, primarily to give us a stable diving platform. Um, we like the big boats because obviously, even though it's an archipelago of islands, we do still get wind. It's mm -hmm. a feature here. And yep. uh, we want a stable diving platform, a nice, warm, welcoming diving platform as well. So you live on board, but we go back to port most nights, if not okay. every night, depending on yep. the weather. Gotcha. Um, and uh, the steam out to uh, the Rex is about one hour. Okay. So it's not terrible. Yeah. Pretty, no. Yeah, basically, you start getting ready and you're ready when you get to the Rex. Yep. So um, that's, that's the first thing. We generally do two dives a day. Uh, okay. The reason for that is that it's a square prof profile wreck dive in what we like. Well, we like to call it the thermal challenge. Uh, <laughs> you get cold. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we you can stay in the water for as long as you like. So if you want to do a two hour, two and a half hour runtime, it's fine by us. <laughs> that is amazing. I love every second of that. Um, <laughs> so, so. A lot of people, I mean, I've had some 10 minute run times or 10 minute uh, steam times, which are absurdly short. And you're like, I don't even know what to do. So an hour seems just about perfect for for running yeah. out there. Um, and uh, I converted the 12C for everybody. It's about 55 degrees Fahrenheit, which is warmer than the water I just got out of. So um, which is perfectly fine. I think we did it 80 minutes this morning. So, yeah. Um, it's definitely doable. It's beautiful. So what's the surface conditions like uh, during that time frame? I mean, you guys are fairly north. So, um, well, I as, as I said, uh, Jason, the, the, the islands uh, ring Scapa flow. So it's a, it's a mm -hmm. big it's, it's a big pond. 
really. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, the the fetch, the the nautical term, the fetch <laughs> from land can be uh, about six and a half miles. So okay. actually, you can be quite far away from land depending mm-hmm. on the wind direction. So we do get what we call the scapa chop, which mm-hmm. is a short, sharp chop. And on on a wind, you know, on a windy day, uh, you can be talking about a meter and a half of chop. Now, I don't want to put anybody off, right? But you have to put that into perspective. What we call a windy day, yeah. So everyone's familiar with the Beaufort scale, I'm sure, um, of of wind speeds, and. Uh- <laughs> I would assume many people are, but not most. <laughs> okay. Most divers are. Most divers are. Yeah. Uh, the Beaufort scale, we dive up to a force eight. Okay. So that gives you some idea. And, and at that point, yes, you get a meter and a half, two meters of the chop. But force seven, force six, by the time you get down to force five, it's it's a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like it. Um, we had a couple of questions. Let me grab them here. Or, well, sure. comments. Uh, can't wait to dive Scapa once I've completed Deco Procedures course in July yeah. from Matt, um, which I think is a good good plan in general. Like you said, it's not Hi, Matt, tactical only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not tactical only, but having it is, definitely opens it up completely. It does. So. Uh, you definitely want to, to run some Deco, um, and especially if you're using Nitrox, which gives you a bit more time on the line. Uh, uh, sorry, a bit less time on the line, so a bit more time mm-hmm. on the bottom. And uh, it's ideal for um, ADP, you know, advanced deco procedures where you're 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 working at, you know, uh, accelerated deco or just uh, a, a deco on uh, on thirty, you know, higher nitrox level yep. for safety. But we can supply nitrox right to whatever um, percentage you want. So if you want to dive twenty seven percent, we can dive that on the deeper wrecks. And then if you come up to the shallower wrecks, 32%, and it gives you the best time on the bottom compared to the time on the line. But deco, definitely, um, if you want to get the best out of Scapa for any of the dives, you want to be doing probably 10 to 15 minutes of deco to get the best benefit. Good. Um, I guess that leads <coughs> to bring in the question of what sort of facilities you guys have. And I mean, is there going to be questions for doubles and side mount and rebreather and you know i had somebody just recently be like i oh scapo do they even will they even allow side mount like could they do that because you don't even like you, you don't know what the boats are they, you know they, sure. there's a rough frame of reference there so um yeah. what sort of supplies what do you guys do uh okay. what do you have available okay um well for for people traveling from the states or from anywhere abroad uh, we have a range of cylinders that we can supply. Now, cylinders are the only things that we supply. We don't okay. supply dry suits or diving gear or anything else. So you have to bring all of that with you or rent it from one of the shops here. Okay. But we, su- we supply tanks. That's not a problem. And we can do doubles. We can do uh, the usual one is uh, the double 12s uh, mm-hmm. is the, the standard. Um, we do have uh, double 8.5s if, you, if you're looking for the the backup of the double tanks but not quite mm-hmm. so much weight we can also do 15s so 15 liters so mm-hmm. uh, what's that uh 20 20 foot or something like that um, uh, yeah it's a big one <laughs> yeah um so uh we we do have that we have stages uh usually uh the 80 cubic foot or um the slightly smaller 60s mm-hmm. uh 
that we do, and we can fill them with any decos gases that you require. We can do trimix if you want to do trimix. That's not a problem. We have that on the boat, mm -hmm. um, and we can supply. As I said, we can supply nitrox to any level or just air if you want to dive air. So uh, all of that's no problem at all. Uh, we also supply or can supply uh, to hire three liter cylinders or two liter cylinders for rebreathers. Uh -huh. And we also have a supply of softener lime on board. Should you want to to buy your softener lime you know, at at the point rather than bring it with yep. you, so. which is always the the money deciding factor on that one. It is, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of locations, it's very expensive, but sometimes you look at it and go, "Yeah, it's more what I can buy for," but it's way less hassle. Um, it works out uh, for us for twenty kilos of softener lime. It works out about eighty five pounds. Okay. So it, it's a it's basically what we pay for it. We don't make money on it. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's a fairly reason. I mean, we've seen places where it's absurdly expensive. Um, sure. Same as helium, yeah. you know, helium through the yeah. roof of six dollars cubic foot. So, which is yeah. You know. uh, okay. Um, no, we <laughs> charge. Um, we at the moment the the helium price is uh, six point five pence per liter of helium used. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm. I, I can't do the calculations in my head, but uh, I'm sure you can work it it's, out. <laughs> we can work it out later on. It's nothing <laughs> yeah. that we need to figure out right now. Um, so uh, we'll stick with the diving questions and come back around for the other one. So what's your favorite wreck to dive and why? Wow. Okay. Um, my favorite wreck to dive and why? My favorite wreck would probably be um, the Kleiner Kreutzer, the small cruiser, light cruiser, Colm. Um, why? Well, it's in 36 meters of water, so it's very accessible. Uh, you can get a nice long run time on it. It has so much to see, just so much to see. I think I must have dived it, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times. And there's something new to see every time. Um, it's It has an impression of a ship not just a wreck, but a ship, mm -hmm. and a ship lying on the bottom on its side. And you just feel like you could go down there, stick a few patches on it, tip it on the surface, and it would sail away. So it's 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 remarkably intact for something that has been on the seafloor for 100 years and also been salvaged. Mm -hmm. So um, it has a remarkable intact feel about it, even though you can swim inside the wreck four decks in. So... You know, there's just a there's just a feel about it. It's it's a thing. It's a it's a zeitgeist. It's a feeling. It's just something, and you really get keen on. Um, yeah, you get keen on the colon. That's for sure. <laughs> nice. Um, the I think they're all good, amazing wrecks in general. So it, that's got to be a really hard question for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, the, I'm going to preemptively strike because I'm sure there's going to be questions on this and might as well stay on the topic. So penetration possibilities is going to be the question. So um, how are they penetratable? Is What's the situation there? Okay, it, it, it's horses for courses. Some of the wrecks are, uh, and some of the parts of the wrecks are very easy to penetrate and get inside and have a look inside. Um, others are more dangerous. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about that. Um, certainly, um, with reference to the the cruiser uh, or the cruiser shaped ship, um, to be accurate, uh, it's actually a fast mine layer. But the Brummer, uh, the bow of the Brummer, is actually inherently quite a dangerous 
area. So we don't encourage people to go in there. But then there are areas where it's absolutely safe. And yes, we encourage people to go in. Uh, one of the classic dives in Scapa is actually diving underneath the dreadnought, mm -hmm. uh, the Kronprinz Wilhelm, and uh, diving underneath 26,600 tons of steel um, <laughs> is, well, it concentrates the mind. <laughs> I bet um, it does. And, you know, in that dive, you can see her 12-inch main armament that was involved in the Battle of Jutland. And it's the only place you can see 12-inch guns that fired at Jutland without going to Jutland. <laughs> so um, it's it's something. It really is. It's it's a it, it's a dive that is it's certainly way up there on the list of favourite dives. Although with clones, yeah. it maybe gets there. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one that we actively encourage people to go in underneath the wreck. So yes, if it's safe, we tell people to do it, or or don't tell people to do it, but we, we suggest yeah. it as a dive. Of course, your dive is your business. You can go. Mm -hmm. and, dive along the bottom if you want um but uh you know we, we we would actively encourage people to go and see these guns um mm -hmm. in other places we would say look you know let's let's play ball here and and say you know the, this area is dangerous don't go in this area and if you stick to the dive briefing it's safe yeah and and they're rack racks I mean, sometimes we see scuttled wrecks and things like that that are cleaned out but these are the real deal wrecks that you know oh, um yeah. No disrespect to any of the scuttled wrecks, but this isn't the Wolf Islander where we're from, or or the Spiegel Grove, or the Duane, or or the Riskany. These are, and those are great wrecks, but these are not. These are real wrecks. <laughs> well, they so. are scuttled, but they were scuttled yeah. as intact right. warships. Yes. Uh, so you know there are places where you can still see the portholes on them. Um, you can. Uh, it's not a dive that we encourage people to do, but uh, for for people who have been to Scapa Flow a lot and um, actually know where to look, you can still see the steering helms. You can still mm -hmm. see the telegraphs. You can still see the uh, the electric steering motors on a ship mm -hmm. 100 years old. <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah, you know, it's it, there are still things that there in there that are really very, very uh, particular to these wrecks, um, mm -hmm. including the main armament and the secondary armament that you'll see on virtually every dive. Uh, if you don't see a gun, I'll be surprised. <laughs> nice. Uh, and to clarify for people, there's uh, no removal of artifacts within 100 meters, I believe, of any of the wrecks, just to clarify that all that. Um, that's that's absolutely the case. Um, yep. Aside from these wrecks being, you know, our livelihood here mm -hmm. in Scapa Flow, which we're very protective of, it is actually illegal to mm -hmm. even carry salvage equipment, not even mm -hmm. to, to, to take anything from the wreck but even just to carry the a, a hammer um mm -hmm. is is illegal within 100 meters of any of the the german ships and they carry the same level of protection as stonehenge yeah so and yeah. you know and st paul's cathedral so mm -hmm. uh, they are very much national monuments yep and uh they're considered uh war graves or a couple of them are considered war graves what's the situation there i, I couldn't get a clarification uh, with reading yeah there, there are there are a couple of ships in scap and flow um particularly not the german ones although there is mm -hmm. one german uh, it's actually a u-boat in scap and flow that is a war grave um but um the, it's actually the british ships in scap and flow that are war graves and they are non-divable you can't dive them gotcha um there's a, there's a lot of history as to why that's the case, but basically the Ministry of Defence, which is the um, the, the British equivalent of the Pentagon, um, 
said you can't dive these wrecks. One is the Royal Oak, which is worldwide famous, and the other mm -hmm. one is one called the Vanguard, uh, both of which yeah. die, both of which more than eight hundred men died on. So, wow. um, you know, very, very, very uh, poignant war graves. Gotcha. Uh, so we got a question slightly on the other side of things. Dave Stallings okay. wants to know uh, types of sea life. Is there types of sea life? Do we see that? Or is it mostly the wrecks that we're taking a look at? Hi, David. Thanks for your question. Um, types of sea life. Uh, these, these are wrecks that have been there for 100 years. So they are the ultimate artificial reefs. Mm -hmm. Being inside a ring of islands, it doesn't get the high tidal current you would expect to, to see a real profusion of marine life. Um, but having said that, they are very, very prominent upstands in uh, the seabed, on the seabed. So you do get uh, a lot of life on them. Um, primarily green water life, you know, northern hemisphere green water life. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes the amount of biomass on the wrecks and scrap of flow actually outweighs the biomass of a coral reef. Wow. So you know, it, there is a lot of life there. You maybe have to look for it a little more. It's not going to mm -hmm. come up like a big grouper or a, um, a Napoleon wrasse or something like that. But yeah. it, it, there is life there, and it, it's it's it, it profuse, lots of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and just circle back. I know we said it previously, but we're basically talking about fifty-five degrees Fahrenheit. And what do we say the visibility was again? Oh, something. Well, in, in the fall, uh, yeah. which is the best time of year. Uh, in terms of the balance between weather, uh, visibility, and, and water temperature, you're looking at 15 meters plus, so 45 feet okay. plus, yep. something yep. like that. Yeah. 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 That's good. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to kind of circle back, and that's going to be a question we're going to get into uh, if if we didn't address it right away. So sure. uh, lots of different uh, marine life, uh, lots of different wrecks. Uh, they were scuttled. So that leads us to what's it like on your <clears throat> liveaboard with the diving and uh, the other question. Let's st stick with that. So let's say, what's it like to dive off of the Valkyrie or the Valhalla? Okay. First of all, uh, these are big boats. They're, they're um, about 80 feet long. So um, they're, they're big, stable vessels. Uh, the Valkyrie is a wooden vessel. And oh, thank you very much. Uh, yep. The Valkyrie is the one on the right there, and uh, the Valhalla, the one on the left. And uh, they're both uh, very comfortable liverboards. They have uh, six cabins each, uh, two bunks to a cabin. Uh, the Valhalla has ensuite showers uh, in each cabin. Um, the Valkyrie has two showers, two heads, and uh, marine toilets. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> I was going to um, say some people you might have to clarify that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they are big, comfortable boats. Uh, the other thing is they're centrally heated, so uh, it's uh, you know you're not going to get cold. Um, hot showers, no limit to the number of showers you can have, no limit to the number of people you can have in the shower. If it's one of those trips, <laughs> I um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's you know they're they're comfortable to dive from. The dive deck is um, pretty large and uh, it's all filled where you sit. So you just, at the end of the dive, you just sit down, tie your set to the rail, uh, take your first stages off, or if it's a rebreather, pop your bottles off. Uh, we fill where you sit, so there's no moving your kit around. It all goes back together again once you're ready and you stand up and fall back into the water again. So um, really quite, uh, 
low stress diving. The other thing that we have is that we have diver lifts. Um, now, diver lifts, thank you. Uh, diver lifts um, are a, a fantastic addition to the boats. They, they really help with uh, getting divers out the water, obviously, but it also helps you with that uh, exertion post dive. So uh, we try and make it as easy as possible. And basically the boat comes to you. You don't have to swim for the boat. Uh, you come up from the dive, signal to the boat, you're, you're okay. And the boat comes to you. Nice. And that uh, leads into, uh, I believe I was reading on your guys' website, uh, the DSMB situation. Make sure you got one, right? Yeah, make sure you've got one and make sure you can use it from, <laughs> That's from <the> key. <laughs> depth. Um, it's, it, you know, the, the I said that the, the there's not much tidal flow, but it's not a lake. You know, you, yep. there is tidal flow. It is the sea. So, um, you know, you can you can certainly be a couple of hundred meters away by the time you surface if you didn't have an SMB. And uh, it's it's a shipping lane. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. there's, as I said earlier, there's a lot of shipping in Scapa Flow because it's a sheltered anchorage and uh, you really want to have a marker. Yeah. You really and want you're to not, have a marker. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not guaranteed to find the shot line, right? Either. So, uh, no. Um, the, the battleships in Scapa Flow, we have three uh, dreadnought type battleships and they're 144 meters long. So, <laughs> yeah. um, if you're at one end and the shot line's at the other end, you need an SMB. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to throw up the entrance right there. So that's the, uh, okay. the step yeah, off down in. Giant stride into the water. It's about a meter above the water. So not too far to drop. So three foot. And nice. um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty comfortable giant stride entry. Yeah. Nice. Um, the accommodations for sleeping, uh, you're sleeping on the boat because it's a liveaboard, like you said, but yeah. it might be, uh, you might be tied up to the dock, but uh so what are the uh, bedrooms like? Okay, well, they're pretty comfortable. Um, first of all, they're full-size beds. They're not tiny bunks. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, the, 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 the cabins are centrally heated. There's two bunks, one above the other um, in each cabin, and uh, pretty comfortable beds. We've never had any complaints anyway. Nice. Um, what is the difference between the Valkyrie and the Valkala? Valkala. Uh, the Valhalla is a steel boat, so she's uh, slightly heavier, so she doesn't move quite as much as the, the Valkyrie does. But, I mean, they're both big boats, so not much mm -hmm. in any case. And the Valhalla has ensuite showers, so each okay. cabin has its own shower. Um, the Valkyrie has communal showers, so, so you know, each cabin goes to one shower, for, well, actually two showers, uh, for, for, for showering. But apart from that, they're, they're basically the same. Nice. Um, so, uh, question that, let me just check, double check the comments, but uh, we haven't gotten it yet, but I'm assuming it's going to come at some point in time here is, uh, we always get the question of non-divers, which, and we always get the question, especially when we say we're going, we are considering Scotland, family members going, ooh, I want to go there too. Uh, so, how would that work? Would they just uh, find a room on shore? What, does that work at all? How does that whole thing play out? It, de it depends on the dynamic of the group. If okay. um, we, we, we have uh, certainly wives, girlfriends, boyfriends and husbands uh, coming on many of our trips and some mm -hmm. of them stay on board the boat and some of them stay ashore. It depends on what you want to do. The The advantage of um, our, our setup is that the liverboards come back to dock every night. Mm -hmm. So when you're in dock, obviously you can go and see the sites. You can go to town. Um, there's there's all sorts of things to do. It's a, it's a wonderful place for peace and quiet. Um, 
fantastic views, fantastic walks, and also prehistory. Um, there's a saying that if you scratch Orkney, it bleeds archaeology. Um, <laughs> nice. It, it just there's so much uh, to see here. Yeah. And one of the things that we can do is that, that wives and girlfriends, boyfriends and husbands can get off the boat in the morning and rejoin us again in the afternoon once we come back into dock. So they can either sleep on shore or they can sleep on the boat. So whichever nice. way the dynamic works, yeah. Yep. Um, what is the time frame for getting back to dock? I guess is going to be the next question. Um, we're usually, it, it depends on the diving, depends mm -hmm. how far away we've gone. Um, but usually we're back between 3.45 and 4.45 in the afternoon. So Nice. That's yeah. good. Um, I love the fact that there's a lot to do and a lot around. Uh, hopefully you don't have anything like the Blarney Stone where they pee on it to get all the Americans. So I'm sure there's a couple of little Scottish tricks there. Um, <laughs> not, not like that, no. <laughs> um, the Irish are, are, are yeah, they're, they're fine. <laughs> they're a special uh, little bunch. <laughs> what, what, uh, what we have in Orkney is we have um, a few, uh, well, just to, to list off a few things that we have. Uh, we have a, a Neolithic, Orkney was the Neolithic heart of Europe, which seems really odd. We're, we're, we're the first rock off the north of Scotland. Why mm -hmm. was it the Neolithic heart of Orkney, uh, of, of, of Europe? But it seems like a culture started in Orkney in Neolithic times. We're talking about Neolithic is the Stone Age, mm -hmm. um, uh, or exactly the New Stone Age. Mm -hmm. And that culture started building stone circles as, wow. as a monument as yeah. something nobody yeah. knows but they started <laughs> building stone circles and that radiated outwards from orkney into europe uh, right down into france to the mediterranean and all of the neolithic the menhirs in france the the neolithic stone circles in ireland in the southern england stonehenge all radiated from orkney so wow. orkney was where it started and that culture went out into the wider uh, European context. And Orkney has one of the finest stone circles. In fact, it has several stone circles, but one of the finest is what's called the Ring of Brodgar. And there is a thing about dancing naked around the stones at the Ring of Brodgar. I think it was started as a joke, but it's become pretty common now. So we see we see a lot of pictures of, of naked people's bottoms at the Ring of Brodker, but divers will be divers. I think this was, this comment was for something else, but I'm going to put it right now. So <laughs> I, I think that's definitely a thing in David's case. Um, he is going to dance naked okay. around those, those circles. Uh, and so uh, I am ecstatic about this possibility of going to Scotland. I, I think that a lot of people have that misconception of, of where this is and what it's all about. Yeah. Um, the idea that, I mean, you basically have a liveaboard, but you also get to experience the, um, the, all the intricacies of the area where it is, which you don't normally get that whole thing. It's you get on a boat and you leave and you, you go somewhere and then, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the next thing, next thing, you know, you're back in dock and you're on an airplane right. and back home. Right. Um, our, our experience is very different to that. Um, yeah. We try and let people, because we get back at that sort of later in the afternoon, mm -hmm. people have a chance to go and see Orkney in the, in the evenings. Um, I really recommend hiring a car or a van while you're here. Uh, mm -hmm. There's so much to see. It's absolutely stunning. In fact, a lot of divers actually take a break midweek 
to go to these attractions while they're open and, oh, and really? see the attractions while they're open. Um, and, and what we can do is we can either leave later in the day or we can do one dive and get back in the afternoon and gotcha. let people to get away. Uh, so, and we can catch that dive up later in the week. That's amazing. Um, so we can do that. Um, the other thing about Orkney, and it would be rude for me to, to be on uh, a dram of diving without mentioning it, is we have yes, please. very, very good whiskey distilleries. In yes. That was the next question. Well, it was the yeah, second the next question, but yes. Yeah. All right. Whiskey distilleries right there. That is unbelievable. So the next question was restaurant and pubs. Like, what's the food okay. situation? How are we doing food? Um, I saw some amazing pictures of the food you guys have on the Facebook page, but you got to have, you got to go to a pub and you got to go to a distillery. So explain that whole situation we got going on. Okay. Um, we do food on board the boats. Um, mm -hmm. Our food is internationally recognised. It's 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 renowned. Um, we have uh, full time chefs on board the boats, so uh, the, the, their job is to feed you until you cry. Um, yeah. uh, we don't uh, we don't uh, skimp on food. Um, it's something that we we pride ourselves that everyone goes away full and uh, also maybe having put on just a little bit of weight. So uh, <laughs> that's I like it. <laughs> That's that's our goal. Um, Scottish food gets uh, British food gets a very bad reputation, and I don't know where it comes from. People think that everything in Scotland is deep fried, and uh, <laughs> everything in England is is and chips. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> that's nice. that's just not the case with us. It, it, you know, um, Orkney, in particular, Orkney has uh, is a farming community, so um, it it has a very strong uh, agriculture base. And part of that uh, agriculture is, or in fact, the, the vast majority of that agriculture is actually beef production. Uh, Orkney has, in fact, the most intense beef production in Europe, although it's not feedlots. It is actually out in the field. Um, and, and most of it is Aberdeen Angus, which is just the best beef that there is. So we uh, we try and serve locally produced products. Um, we, we try and keep our food miles to a minimum so that the, the food is actually uh, really from from the, 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 the field to the plate with as few miles in between. And we actually produce our own food as well. We have um, we have uh, a farm here that I'm sitting on at the moment and we have lamb and also venison produced from that really? farm. So we use that on the boats as well. Yeah. So that's impressive. That's not a normal uh, liveaboard menu right there from what I can see. <laughs> that's um, on your boat? We, yeah, that's on our boat, yes. That's... Um, that's uh, one of the starters. That's a chorizo and red onion, and uh, it looks like it's a mushroom quiche uh, that's produced right there on the boat as you're diving. So it's it's made fresh. We don't we don't use frozen. So, so essentially, you're telling me that it's a liveaboard that we can go in and drink whiskey and go to pubs and hang out in town at night. Then yeah. we can stay on the boat, and then there's also basically an excellent, excellent uh, restaurant on board producing food like this. Yes. Okay. That's exactly that ex what I'm telling you, Jason. <laughs> that is pretty much explains why you guys are sold out all the time. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what's the what is the procedure for booking and and for getting on on the boat and uh, all that fun stuff? Because it looks like it's a pretty far far run before you can get on the boat. Um, it is, but we have very good transport links. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, people are, are, are comment are often comment on is is actually uh, the for one thing the beauty of the journey to Scapa Flow. Uh, mm -hmm. It's part of the process. It's part of the experience. But also 
um, it's it's not particularly difficult. So from um, you can fly in internationally into airport in Scotland, and at that point you can either hire a car and drive north. Um, if you come into Glasgow or Edinburgh or Aberdeen, you can drive north from there and you come up uh, the, the road called the A9 and it comes up through the heart of Scotland, uh, through the Cairngorm Mountains, um, through uh, the wilds of Sutherland and Caithness, uh, right up to the north of Scotland and then you get a ferry across to Orkney. In some ways, that's the iconic way to arrive in Orkney and it gives <laughs> you an idea of um, that arrival by sea, uh, which all those seafarers did, you know, going back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. The other way, slightly more modern, is that you can fly in. Um, yeah. You can fly, you can bounce flight from one of those airports in Scotland and you can fly into Kirkwall, which is about a 25 minute drive from the boat. So okay. it's not too onerous. Um, all we would say is make sure that uh, your essentials are in your hand luggage because sometimes the plane coming up is actually a very small plane. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that luggage gets delayed by a, a few hours. So make sure your essentials are in your hand luggage. But apart yeah. from that, it's it's pretty good. Um, certainly, I prefer the, the 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 flight and then the drive up through Scotland because it becomes part of the experience uh, yeah. and seeing seeing a wider uh, a, a wider picture of Scotland is uh, I think it's worthwhile. It's worth yeah. the drive. Absolutely. Um, what is what was the drive time from the airports up through Scotland? Did you say that? I uh, depends on which airport. Uh, okay. But I would say from Edinburgh about five and a half hours. Okay. So leave, you know, maybe get get in a couple of days early and and take a couple of days sure. to yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, make a yeah. stop and and visit some other possible distilleries on the way. Um, <laughs> I know, shocking, right? It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so where are you guys booking at right now? How far out is the booking time frame? If okay, somebody wanted to book. Um, we're, we're, we're certainly booked up for 2020. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, obviously, with the COVID situation, we're knocking bookings on. So that's affecting 2021. Yep. Um, we have some availability in 2021 at the start of the year. Uh, we're not sure what our availability will be at the end of the year as yet. Okay. Um, but I would imagine that will be some availability in the fall of 2021. Yeah. Um, and Hopefully there is, because it would yeah. just be terrible situation for a dram of diving not to show up in Scotland at the end of 2021. Just saying. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And we'd also we we're also booking for 2022. So if you're looking further ahead, uh, okay. we're booking as far as uh, far ahead as fall to 2022. Yeah. I mean, even if we needed to do that, I'm fine with waiting an extra year just to get a good week or whatever. So, sure. um yeah, that's uh, and we're supposed to go to. I'm trying to get back to truck, and we were supposed to be in truck uh, April 1st through the 15th of 2020, and that definitely uh, did not happen yeah. at all. So we're looking at April of 2021 to do that. So maybe waiting to 2022 is a good idea. I'm not sure, okay. um, but I mean, I want to come next week. So I mean, I got an empty spot on the shelf like right there that I need to fill. So that uh, I, I, I recommend. <laughs> I think. That that space just just judging by it, yeah, I think that would just just be a Buffalo Highland Park. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. excellent. Um, beautiful. So we are just about time up. Um, I truly appreciate um, your time and and spending time My with pleasure. us. Um, I'll post up as many links as I can. I did some already. Um, the only thing I was getting is a uh, 
uh, Google for or Google Chrome didn't like your website for a minute, but I don't know what what that deal is. But okay, um, you just got to click. I'm fine with going. Um, so uh, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, any things you need to tell us before you head off and finish your evening? Just um, thank you very much, Jason, for inviting me on. It's it's a, it's a real pleasure and privilege. Um, and uh, to anyone who's, who's watching, if you think Scapa isn't for you, you're lying to yourself. It is. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the best. It, 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 it we like to say it is the top of UK diving, and that's every pun intended. Um, yeah. We it, it is the best green water, temperate water diving that there is in the world. Yes. And that's no lie. Yeah. And I, I really like that was my big thing is when I, you know, even three quarters of the way through my career, I had no clue what Scapa was. And as soon as I found out, I was like, oh, no, that is amazing. Like, I just thought it was another ah, Utila, you Roatan, you, you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It, it's just another one of those little islands someplace. I'll look into it whenever. Sure. And then when I realized what it actually was, I was like, oh, I have been a fool for a very long time. No one explained this to me. <laughs> I can I can sum it up in, in a few words, which is three battleships <laughs> yeah, 26, i like it 26,600 tons each wow four cruisers at five and a half thousand tons each a destroyer a submarine a torpedo boat and that's just the start wow that is that is impressive. Um, we will be there at some point in time as soon as you guys have space and time for us we will oh. be there um so, and oh, one question this, this we never talked about. How many people can fit on the boat? I don't think we ever said that. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. 12. 12. Yep. 12. Yep. So 12 divers, 12 total people, 12, 12 total, 12, 12 total. total people. Beautiful. All right. So, um, and pricing gets done through you guys, yada, yada, yada. I don't yes. know if it's, I wouldn't mention pricing at this point in time because it can change at any point, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I highly, highly suggest if you have not been, which I have not, but from what I have seen, heard, and been recommended from multiple people is to get there. Um, absolutely. And I am planning it as soon as possible once the fall opens up for us. Um, and I will throw that on the gauntlet right now that Mark Powell better show up on my boat because he's, uh, <laughs> yes. We, so. we know Mark very well. and mm -hmm. We'd be delighted to have him back as well. Yes. Oh, that's, and that might be the first time he's ever heard that. So thank you very much for saying that for Mark. So, um, all right, beautiful. Well, Hazel, I thank you so much, uh, and enjoy your, your evening. I'm going to cut you out here and then I'm just going to finish up here. So, uh, thank, thank you. you. Have a wonderful night. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, that is the end of the Scapa flow with Hazel. Uh, I highly, highly suggest the MV, uh, Valkyrie and Valhalla uh, for coming and seeing, uh, the Scapa flow Rex. Th uh, thank you for all the support. Uh, we couldn't do this without, uh, the support that you guys have given us. We're close to 7,000 people on our Facebook page and our YouTube, um, is starting to rock and roll. So, uh, if you are on YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscribe. It's probably going to be on that side. Um, so give us a subscribe when you get a chance. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and get notifications. We go live and it's all held right on there. So uh, we also have the Patreon, uh, which I can throw the link up. And the Patreon just helps us offset some of the costs with doing some things and some of the extra stuff that we're trying to do. Uh, and like we said previously, the whiskey glasses, the drama diving whiskey glasses, 
uh have a nice little diver actually in trim and properly well properly in trim we don't know if he's buoyant or not because who knows um if you fill it up with enough whiskey that he is actually diving in it um, which is a lot of whiskey but yeah, I'm sure you guys can get through it. I've got faith in you. So thank you again for joining in with uh, Drama Diving. Uh, my name is Jason Meany, and have a wonderful night for all of you guys. Take care. Thanks.